Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Uh, we had Edwin last week, Fiona and I were away, we wanted to say thank you for allowing us to go away last week. We went and, uh, and we just, I listened to Edwin's sermon, that guy's funny, so I'm going to feel no temptation, I'm not going to try and be funny with no. But it was really, really cool, thank you for, uh, for allowing us to go, and, and some of you prayed for us, the rest of you who didn't, anyway, it's cool. <laughs> just joking, but really good to be together this morning, as we've been applying through the book of Galatians, and we've been looking at a series, we're ending off chapter 4 this morning, then from next week onwards, we're going to be leaning into the good stuff, chapter 5 and 6, this is life by the Spirit, and you don't want to miss out what's going to come next, spoiler alert, it's good stuff. But this morning's also going to be really, really good, but just to give you a background for those who've uh, maybe missed a couple of weeks, or you've been... You've new to this church this morning. I want to say that the book of Galatians, six chapter letter that Paul is writing, and the purpose of it is he's fighting for the freedom of the church in Galatia. And in the process, he's fighting for our freedom here today. He's not wanting us to settle for a, a lukewarm Christianity, for something that's apathetic, that's based on our efforts. He's wanting us to go all in on Jesus and be so convinced of his goodness that we actually start to walk in it. Maybe you're asking the question this morning, you've been saying, how do, how do I get free from this thing that I've been battling with? Maybe you've been saying, how do I get blessing from God? How do I get breakthrough? How do I please God? How do I get favor from God? As the charismatics would say. How do, how do I find that? Paul is laboring again and again, but the answer is Jesus and Jesus alone. That's the book. In six chapters, he's saying it's Jesus. Don't be tempted to go anywhere else. Don't go to any other opportunity. Because actually this is a faith not based on ifs and buts. It's a faith that's based on promises. Promises from God, and if God makes your promise, then tell you He will keep it. He is faithful to it. We've been saying in the series that there's two errors, two errors that people find themselves falling into. There's on the left hand side the cage of legalism. What does this mean? It's a cage, it's restrictive, it's a the thought process that actually says Jesus is good, I've got Jesus with one hand, but I'm actually going to add a little bit to it. I'm going to my question is going to be uh, Jesus plus a little bit of hard work, a little bit of uh, efforts, my efforts will get the blessing from God. A little bit of my prayer life, a little bit of, of my time, a little bit of my attendance. If I, if I just obey those rules, then I'm going to be blessed. And we say that the people who say Jesus with one hand, but holding the law with the other hand, and saying, yeah, yeah, this is good, but actually find that it's just a cage, it's masquerading as a sort of freedom. On the other hand, is a swamp of licentiousness. What does this mean, basically? It's saying, I've got Jesus with this hand, but Jesus knows that means I can do whatever I want, so this hand I'm going to hold on to my sin and do it well. And then we call that freedom. Freedom of the sin! And both sides, are saying, saying, actually, this is freedom because it's safe, it's controlled, we know what we're doing. And this side saying, it's free because I can do what I want, it's anarchy. But both are masquerades and they're pseudo-freedoms that actually are not true freedom. They don't lead us into true understanding what freedom is. And Paul is laboring, and we are saying again and again, that actually, it's Jesus plus nothing. Let go of the law, let go of your sin, put both hands on Jesus. Because he is the object of our affection. He's the one who, 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 who fulfills the law. He's the one who brings pleasure. He's the one that leads us into everything. Yeah. That is our aim in this series. And we try to beat it into our heart. The gospel, the good news. And beat it into our heads. Because I, I don't know about you, but I forget that often. I forget often. Why do we preach this often? Because we forget it so often. We've got to remind ourselves and fuel ourselves on this. Because we want to make sure that we don't fall into the trap thinking that Jesus came... To make us just slightly better versions of ourselves. 
Jesus came to, to make us nicer people. No. Jesus came to, to, to what's called to bring about a, a glorified uh, behavior modification system. Yeah, the routine says program to become a nicer person. Follow Jesus. Oh, here's the thing. If you follow Jesus, my bet is you will become a nicer person. My bet is by following Jesus, by, just by default, you'll become nicer, kinder, more loving, more generous, and more forgiving just by following Him. It'll happen. But here's the understanding for us. We have to know that Jesus did not come to do that. He came to call sons and daughters back to Himself. That is what His heart is. He's after our hearts. He's after intimacy. So this morning, with that prelude, we're going to get right to Scripture. We're going to read the same Scripture even uh, preached last week, but we're going to stay one little different angle. Then we're going to close chapter 4. So why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Galatians chapter 4 will be on the screen behind me. We're going to read from verse 21 to 31. If you are new and wondering why we stand, it's because I really pray that as we stand, it's posturing our hearts, not just physically, but in a spiritual way. We're saying, actually, I'm not a spectator this morning. I'm a participator in the Word of God. Why don't you put, say, God, I want your Word to do something in my heart. So let's read together. Tell me, you who want to live under the Lord, do you know what the Lord actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from a slave wife and one from a freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife's wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the Lord as a slave. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia, because she and her children live in slavery to the Lord. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman, and she is our mother. As Isaiah says, Rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has become more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise. Today, let me children of the promise. Children of the promise. You guys are good. Just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human infants, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and the son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you that you would speak to our hearts. Would you set free in every way? Would you, as I preach, would you do something in me, Father? Would we leave here freer than we've ever known, Father? With all the things that were brought in and dragged in with us, would we leave it at the door? Leave it at the foot of the cross as we truly believe what you say about us. I thank you that your word is truth. Now sanctify us by your truth. Father, I also ask, please, just forgive the storm of yesterday. For they do not know what they will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may take a seat. They say it was a tough day for Stormers fans, but a good day for golf fans. Brandon Grace. Anyone see Brandon Grace? Hey, one, two, three, good. We'll form the club and we'll talk about it. Anyway, beautiful. This morning is going to be really simple. But I really pray that we'll just bring the life into who you are as you follow Jesus. Two points this morning from this text. Number one, we're going to dive straight into it. The first point is this, will be on the screen behind me, is that my future is not determined by my past. It's a good one, eh? Why don't you say it with me? Say, my future is not determined by my past. 
If you want, you can superimpose the words, my blessing is not determined by my past. My breakthrough is not determined by my past. My healing, my intimacy with God, my inheritance, my favor is not determined by my past. How do I know this? Well, by the scripture that Paul's laboring using... I won't retread the ground even covered last week, but this man Abraham is using him as a poster child again and again through the scripture to get his message to these people who are sending for a pseudo form of freedom. And he says to Abraham, this man, if we read his backstory, Abraham was by every single natural aspect and natural measurements, he should have been disqualified from favor. He should have been disqualified from a future. He should have been disqualified from the promises of God. He should have been disqualified. Let me give you a CV of disqualification. His father, his dad, was an idol maker. He made idols for religion. You come in and say, oh, what, do you, what do you need today? Oh, you need a couple of, a God with many arms. Cool. I'll, I'll get you in two weeks. Good. You said, what do you need today? So he just went from religion to peddling idols. That's what his dad did. The, the, the garage was full of them. Different religions, different things, just different backstories that they pulled in. That's his dad's job. That's how they earn money, that's how they went on vacation. Because dad does the idol business. We're into that thing. We peddle different religions. So in a story, I can imagine Abraham, when God, the, the one true God spoke to him, probably ran him and Dad! God spoke to me. Dad, we're going with God. That's great. Which one? That's the background he's probably come from. Uh, I'll give you another one, this TV of disqualification. He was a moon worshiper. This is the man who found his existence and how he would move on and how he was, what he would do every day. By the position of the moon, the stars, the sun, he was, he was the guy who actually said, will I get out of bed today, look at the back of you magazine and say, I'm a Gemini, oh, it's going to be a tough day, I'm staying in bed. That's a man A. He determined his life by, by things that the creator order, not the creator. And he was a man who totally just go, that's okay. This is disqualifications of age from receiving the promises of God. Another one, he was 99 years old. So in my head, he's curmudgeonly, he's grumpy, he's going, he's shouting at the neighbor kids. Turn down that rap music! He's 99, you know, it's my head. He's got no kids, so he's never known kids, he's never known that sort of environment. And the Hebrews tells us that his wife was as good as dead. It's a great description of old Sarah there. Eh? I'm just imagining Sarah. No, I'm like, it's not your poster boy for, for the promises of God. He was a deeply flawed, flawed sinful man who had met with a gracious God. Let me tell you, I can imagine God comes to him in Genesis 12, 15. Go read what God promises Abraham. He says to Abraham, through you and your offspring, you're going to be a blessing to the nations. I can imagine Abraham going, yeah, yeah, but you know my dad. Hey, there's another guy down the road, but my dad and idols, it's in our background. It's going to come out somewhere. I don't want that scandal to come out of what my dad used to do. But, you know, or, or he sort of said, but you know, hey God, actually, you know, up till now I've been taking my future based on the moon and, and I worship that stuff. Okay, and, and it was here. But, but God, he said, offspring. Oh, I've got no offspring. I'm 99. And he's seen it. God, but, 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 going, looking back at the past, but this is the good news that I can imagine in that moment that God would say, listen, my bud, hey, your future is not determined by your past. When I'm involved, your future is not determined by your past. There's good news for you and I this morning, even more so than people who've accepted Jesus Christ and gone all in and all out for Him. John 1 verse 12 to 13, it's a great text, you've got to read it at home, but the crux of it says this, that you have been born 
sons and daughters of God, people put God in on Jesus Christ. You've been born, not as a result, not a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. What's, what, what, is, what is John the writer trying to say here? He's saying your future, sir ma'am, is not going to be determined by your genetics. He's saying your future is not going to be determined, sir ma'am, by your parents' mistakes or decisions. I want to tell you again and again, your future is not going to be determined by your grandfather's habits. You know, I'm telling you again, your future is not going to be determined whether you were a mistake or not. Your parents didn't plan. The Bible says, not born of a human plan or passion, but born of God. Actually, he has a great kind of confidence to say as well, if you were born of rape, I believe the Father supersedes that mistake and that, that sin and says, that's all part of my plan. Because you were born of God. Not a human plan, passion or human plan, but you were born of God. At that moment, when you say yes to Jesus, the Father in heaven bypasses your biological birth process, bypasses all the grandfather's mistakes and errors and all the different habits that think he bypasses that and roots it up and says, actually, you are born of God. Yeah. 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 I need to know this. Because in my heart, I always look back, but my dad is always angry. That's why I'm always angry. No. Because I'm born of God, not born of a human decision. My purpose is reaching out because my future is not determined by my past. It's based on something different. 1 Peter 1.18 goes on tells us says that actually we were not bought with silver or gold. We were purchased with the blood of Jesus. Not something perishable, not something that just for a season, not just something that just paid for the past, but the blood of Jesus that is enough to forgive us the sins of our past, be, uh, give us courage for today, able to walk in joy, righteousness, and peace now, and take my journey future. The blood of Jesus has purchased us for God. This is incredibly good news as my baby gets passed from grandmother to mother. <laughs> I want to tell you this moment. When Abraham pointed out his excuses, God didn't go, oh, I didn't know that. God, you know, my dad, you know, Sarah, put his dad, you know, moon. God went, ooh, I didn't know about those ones. Okay, um, going to go to the next class. Thanks, thanks for letting me know. Thanks for your honesty, though. So I tell you, God is not, there's not one thing that happens on this earth. God knows every single thing. He knows exactly what you've done. You can come think of but you don't know what I've done. But I do know. I do know. He's not taken by surprise. He's not shocked. He's not anxious. When the woman who was caught in the act of adultery was dragged in front of him, Jesus didn't go, oh, what's she been doing? What's she been doing? Jesus was unfazed. He started to write in the dust. He was so uns- He's not. I want to tell you, God, that God is not stressed out. He's not anxious. He's not worried about what's gone before. He's a God who knows. Yeah. Tell you the great news is one Peter one tells us that Jesus wasn't surprised by our sin so much so that actually I've always thought this quite amusing. That can you imagine the Father with the Holy Spirit and the Son? Uh, Jesus said at the beginning, Genesis what creating everything out of nothing. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's good. Mountains, streets, good, 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 good. He creates Adam. That's just amazing. Walking in the cool of the day, it's like this is incredible. There's amazing music playing in the background. Some of you, I don't, know, I don't want to say what music it was, just to say my opinion. Some of you, but it was nice music. But just, you know, just a beautiful scene. And then suddenly, Adam sins. Just in my mind, I can imagine Adam sins. And Eve sins. And I can imagine God going, oh my gosh. Didn't see that one coming. Okay, Holy Spirit, Jesus, conference room in three, we're going to make a plan. He's cheating through everything. God's coming, they all gather, and God says, okay, guys, that's it. Don't know what the heck we're going to do now. 
Well, it's, not a, it's not a manual, it's not what you follow, you do. Okay, so any ideas? Any ideas? The Holy Spirit goes, okay, mm, what about if we send some uh, prophets to tell them where they put, yeah, prophets, I like that, we send some there. Judges, good. No idea's a bad idea. Come guys on the whiteboard, Jesus, you've been a bit quiet, anything else? Ah, uh, well, what about, no, we just, we, we send guys, grumpy guys to come and tell them where they're falling short. The, the Lord, take them out to the Yes, I like it. Sacrificial system, a bit strange, but I like it, but let's go with it. And then Holy Spirit goes, God, I'm just thinking, Jesus, what if you go, no, 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 okay, and then you die. Hey, Jesus, like, yeah, I don't like this plan, hey guys, it seems like I'm doing all the work. <laughs> That's not what happened. They were not taken by surprise. Jesus' work on the cross was not in reaction to sin. How do I know that? What Peter 1 tells us, that Christ was crucified before the foundation of the earth. Before. It was always God's plan to lift Jesus up and say, He's the only way. Jesus is the, the jewel of heaven. Jesus is the reward of heaven. Jesus has always been and will always be the ultimate. And the Father has one and said, uh, we bring glory to the Son and the one we're going to do is crucified so that years later people can actually trust Him alone. Don't see foolishness to the world. It's wisdom to those who are perishing. Ah, you've been saved. Now take it. It's always been a step. Is that not good news for you and I? That actually, we're not stumbling and I hope His grace is enough for me. His grace was paid before your sin. It wasn't paid in reaction to, oh, I suppose I've got to do something. So now, pay for it. It's the great news for you and I this morning. Why? Because it gives us confidence to know that our future is not determined by our past. Here's the thing. When Satan comes to you, and he wants to point out your past to disqualify you walking into the blessing, to failure, to inheritance, to promise to a fruitful marriage, to, to joy that you've never known. Uh, you want to use it. Actually, I want to step out of depression. I want to step out of my brokenness, my, my, my anger. My, I want to step out of it. And as you try and do it, Satan will come and say, no, but look at your past. Your dad has always been your situation. You've done lots of stuff to get you in this zone. Come on, buddy. It's not going to be that easy to step out of depression. Come on. And Satan comes to point your past and tell you the thing. Satan's very right to point out your past. But here's the good news. You and I can say to him, go, Satan, if you want to point out my past, you've got to go further back, buddy. You've got to go further back. Don't stop at Adam. Go further back to the one who was crucified before the foundation of the earth. Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the earth, before your sin. His goodness trumps your sin. So when Satan comes to tempt you to despair, say, actually, I don't look there, I look there. Yeah. I don't look just there, I look I have to go way, way back. This is the good news for you and I. That's why this, every morning I'm waking up every morning knowing that His mercies are new every morning. It wasn't just a one-time thing, they're fresh every day. That what lies ahead of me will not be determined by what has happened behind me. Yeah. I'm learning again and again to believe the voice of His promise is louder than the voice of my past. The voice of this promise is louder than the voice of God. I, pro- I, I just, I would love to sit with every one of you and look through now and say, the voice of this promise is louder than the voice of your past. I want to say it till we believe it. The voice of the Father is louder than the voice of the accuser. It's louder, and, it's, and we have to start believing it. Years and a few years ago, uh, I wrote a song, and the line of the song said, I thought that was far gone. I didn't know how far you'd go. I wrote that because we were in a series, but also because I had a person in mind, a family member, who I thought, who was a hero of mine, 
He wanted to phone me and said, actually, no, I've, uh, here on the phone, he phoned me and said, I've messed up. I've messed up big time. I said, I, I, I've slept with a woman who's, not, who's actually married to another person. I'm married. And my heart was a young man, bro. I thought, what do we do with this? I, and maybe I was a bit consumed with this mess. And I didn't know. And I thought, I don't know what to do. And, and this guy had a choice to turn to a savior or turn to the cage or to the swamp. I'm just going to go back to church and try harder. Or I'm going to actually stuff it all. I'm going to go. And he went to the swamp. For 10 years, he went, not just that woman, but woman after woman after woman. This man who I love dearly went and he just sowed his wild oats. Destroying families. Swing all in. And I must be honest, I human failed failed heart started to believe that actually maybe his past was bigger than his future. I was like, I don't see a way out for this guy. He refuses to, he just keeps on going doing the same thing, and his heart is hardened, and he bring up we whatever, whatever. And I started and I had to start to believe the gospel and start to sing a song. I thought that he was far gone. I didn't know how far my Jesus would go. If you think you're too far gone for the grace of God, good news here is that God met with him, wrecked him totally, saved him, restored him, and he married a virgin who had never been in a relationship with anyone else. He married somebody who was so out of what the natural order would say that I tell you, if you ask into preach one, you'll say, My past is not to turn my future. My past is not to turn my future. Our past does not determine my future. When we understand this, if we get to the cage, we're always going to be dragging our past. We're in the last swamp, we're always going to be dragging our past. But if we come to Jesus, the Jesus, both hands of Him. Your past will not determine your future. Second point this morning is that my future is not determined by my efforts. So you say, my future future. is not determined by my efforts. The person actually wasn't saying aloud, give him an elbow in the side. Come on, man. Play ball. Again, I want to say you can superimpose over my future, my blessing, my breakthrough, my healing, my favor, my intimacy with God, my inheritance is not determined by my efforts. Back to a man, eight. So Abraham gets the promises and God convinces, it's not because of your past. Okay, I've got you. And they wait, and they wait. And the wife is good as dead, gives them nothing. So after a while, she said, actually, maybe, uh, maybe we've got to do something to make this happen. Maybe we've got to do something to make the promise happen. So he goes, okay, actually, she says, hey, get Hagar the maidservant and, and have a child with her. It's the Bible, guys. I'm not saying anything else. This is the Bible. Welcome to church. Before we get the kids up. So Abraham, you know, Abraham, obviously, as a male, goes, great idea. Hey, 99, still ready to go. But anyway, they go and they have intimacy and they have a child named Ishmael. The problem was, God said, the blessing is not going to come as a result of your efforts. God said, the blessing, the future, the favor, the promise was never designed to come from what you can do, buddy. God was, that would, if you want to know, I'll get there now, but I just want to tell you this understanding for you and I, is that God is not angry with your efforts. Often if you think God is angry with me, He's angry with our efforts that think that they are getting us something that He's not. God is not angry at our efforts, but by the fact that you trust your efforts. I'm trusting my, if I do this, then I'm going to get blessed. Then God, no, 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 but now you can stuff. 
It's not in his hands. He's not angry with us trying. He's a good father. But he says, I want you to try in my strength. Try with what I have given you. Try with the grace that I have given you. Trust my promise, buddy. God calls me buddy sometimes. I want to tell you, when we lean into our efforts as our means of blessing, happiness, and intimacy with God, we are saying, God, you are not enough for me. Even we have things that we think I've got to do to get the intimacy with God. So it seems like a good thing to get us to love God more. If I do this, then, then I'm going to be able to connect with God. If I, if I get the new song music, then I'm going to have great times worshiping God. Actually, does, I'm not saying that those are bad things, but God says those aren't the things that give you access to. It's my son, come with faith. Something I'm learning, I want to get it tattooed on my Twitter page. <laughs> you cannot achieve favor, you can only receive favor. If you achieve favor, then it's called a bribe. If you go up to a boss and say, hey, I'm going to put in all these efforts to them, it's called a salary. It's called, it's, you know, if, you, if your boss gives you favor, and, and it's because you've done a lot of stuff, then it's actually called due reward. But if you get favor because I don't deserve it, that's called real favor. That's called yeah. true favor. True favor is not achieved, it's received. Yeah. We've got to understand this because it's received. And, and this is something that I love, is that the only time Jesus is recorded as being angry in the Bible. You want to know? Already first one. Immediately my mind you to the hurt. The very time Jesus was angry, I go, ah, turning the tables over. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say Jesus was angry. The only time the scripture says Jesus was angry was in Mark chapter 3. It says Jesus was angered by them. Who was he angered by? He just met a prostitute. Just met a tax collector who was stealing money from the... No, no. There was a bunch of religious Pharisee people who came and Jesus had met a man with a shriveled hand. It was a Sabbath day and Jesus said, I'm going to heal him. And the Pharisee says, he cannot heal him. It's a Sabbath day. These guys have basically said, Jesus went to the Bible and said, Jesus angered by them. Turned away and healed them anyway. Said, as, if, as if the Sabbath was made for, for man. As if man was made for the Sabbath. Here's the understanding is that Jesus, these guys, religious guys, who came and they were saying to this man with a shriveled hand, a man with a, I don't know about you, a shriveled soul, a man with a shriveled emotion, a shriveled uh, marriage, a man with a shriveled whatever you want to put there, somebody who, who has been shrinking back and he's desperate for freedom, and God comes in, yeah, if you, if you want freedom, you've got to obey the Sabbath, you've got to do this, come back, come back on another day, maybe we can chat, buddy. Come back with your efforts, do that. And Jesus walks in the story and says, I'm angered by that. How dare you put up these things to say when and what I can do. Yeah. Jesus says, this guy's future is not determined by his efforts. Determined by me. The only time Jesus was angered was at these guys. The passage in Galatians that I'm bringing to close. Galatians chapter 4 likens Hagar, the slave woman that Abe goes to sleep with, he likens Hagar to Mount Sinai. Now this would have really irritated Jewish people. Because Mount Sinai was their pinnacle. That's when Moses got the Ten Commandments and the Lord came down with the law. Beautiful moment for them. It's a pinnacle in their religion. So now, Paul's coming saying, Hagar, the slave woman that gave birth to Ishmael, that yeah, she's just like the law, Mount Sinai. They're like, get him out of there. This would have angered them no end. 
They would have been furious at this because this is so frustrating because they think, what are you doing? You're liking slavery to the Lord. Paul's like, damn right. He didn't say damn right. I did. This was added. I want to tell you this. What I want to do is approaching this is that living by the Lord, thinking that if we can add something to what God and Jesus has already done, not just coming Jesus, going all in on Jesus, but saying Jesus plus something, and it's subtle, it creeps into my heart often, that's why I can preach it to myself. It's saying this, but living by the Lord produces slavery. Paul uses harsh language because he's fighting for our freedom. He's not trying to prove a theological point. He's trying to get us to live in freedom. He's saying, Sir, man, don't go and believe that if you try to do these things, then you'll get freedom. It only produces slavery. It doesn't produce close to freedom and almost there. It produces the opposite, slavery. You'll become a slave in the cage, thinking you're safe, but it's small, it's confined, it's constricted, and you can't move and they'll kill you. I would cry too. I would cry too. I want to tell you, living by the law produces slavery, but living by the promise, as Paul writes in chapter 4, produces inheritance. It produces blessing, it produces favor, it produces future. Here's the thing. At Mount Sinai, just a few chapters before the man went up outside of Moses, he came before God, and he came in the form of a burning bush. And God said to Moses, take off your shoes, for it's holy ground. In the Jewish context, if you've been around a while, you understand that those who have no shoes on are servants, slaves. So God says, Moses, you're going to be my servant, you're going to be my slave. Take off your shoes in this moment, holy ground. In Luke 15, the prodigal son comes from debauchery, comes from the pigsty, arrives home to the father, the father says, I'm going to put shoes on your feet. Because you're a son. Let me tell you, in Mount Sinai, when Moses came down with the Lord, there was a golden calf that happened. And that day, because of the sin of the people, 3,000 people were killed. 3,000 when the Lord came, 3,000 people on that day died because of their sin. Yeah. Tell some great news. You know what? Sinai happened 50 days after they left Egypt. 50 days. So much so that uh, it was called, there came a, a festival called Pentecost. So when Jesus came, he, 50 days after Jesus came, after he died and rose again, 50 days later, which is the time when the Jews celebrate Passover, uh, Pentecost, the giving of the Lord, the Lord, came a moment when the Holy Spirit was there. 50 days. Exactly. It's not by chance, it's a shadow type of Jesus. All of us are pointing to a greater story. Can I tell you what happened when the Holy Spirit came? 3,000 were saved. The Lord was given 3,000 died. Grace was given through Jesus Christ, 3,000 saved. The law was given, take off your shoes, you must serve me. The Father came out, the Lord came and you put it on shoes, you're going to love me. We're going to run together. This is the gospel, the grace that Jesus has given us from start to finish. I wanted to land with this. How do you know if you still think your future is determined by your past? If you're still late looking and being held up, here's what's in your heart. Condemnation, guilt, shame. If you're struggling with those things again and again and again, don't dress them up and say uh, and call them conviction. Don't dress them up and call them it's I'm just being chastised by the spirit. Don't dress them up because the Bible tells that condemnation, guilt, and shame come from only one place: the enemy. The Bible again tells you this Holy Spirit convicts us of our righteousness. What's the, what's the Holy Spirit's job? The Holy Spirit's job is not to point out your sin. He's couldn't be bothered by something because he's already paid for it. He's, his job is to say, don't trust your sin, don't trust your past, trust him. I'm a conviction that you're good enough, that Jesus is good enough for you. 
Jesus is enough, Jesus is enough. He hopes for all you want to point us to Him. How do you know if you still think your future is determined by your effort? So ma'am, your heart is full of anxiety, fear, panic. You're concerned about the future. You worry. I tell you, the Bible tells us again again that worry is illegitimate. Don't dress it up and say, I'm praying about it, you know. I'm just wrestling with a few things at the moment. No, call it anxiety, call it worry. And I tell you, it's because you're trusting what you can do. This is preaching to my own heart. I fall for this, this, this sucker lies again and again. Here's the thing as we land, is stop making promises to God and start believing the promise He's made to you. For too long, I left Sunday's going, Jesus, I promise I'm going to try better this week. Jesus, I'm going to, I promise I'm going to be generous. I promise this time I'm, going to, I'm not going to answer it back to you harshly. I promise the next time, and Jesus said, stop making promises to me that you can't keep. Believe the promises that I've made to you that I can keep. Yeah. And as you believe that, we become nicer people. We become the grace inspires what the Lord demands. Grace produces what the Lord law requires. This is the good news that you and I need to come and drink from. So again, you've been drinking from the Kool-Aid too long. I'm like, I want to drink this till the day I die. And when my eyes open in heaven, I realize that actually I didn't believe it enough. He's better than I thought. The one revelation you and I will get in heaven is that Jesus is better than we ever imagined. And we'll go, how little did we think of him? How, how dare we put so much strength in our own strength when he is so beautiful? He's conquered everything, life, sin and death. This is the Jesus. I want to land with this. Your future, sir, man. Is not determined by your past. Your future, and my future is not determined by my efforts. It's determined. Our future, our blessing, our inheritance, our favor, our intimacy with God is determined by Jesus. Yeah. He has spoken. He has, he has told us the final word from Him. Jesus is enough. Yeah. We trust in our prayer. Condemnation will fall. Panic, fear, anxiety will fall. As we start to understand that He's enough for yesterday, He's enough for today, He's enough for tomorrow. Yeah. Jesus. Father, this morning, you are schooling me in your gospel. And it's doing beautiful things to my heart, Jesus. I thank you, Father, this moment that we right now, this moment you're dealing with the people here who've been tempering things from the past for many years. Hurts. You don't know what my dad did. You don't know what I've been doing. You don't know about my current service. You don't know my disqualifications. I'm so disqualified. I thank you, Jesus, in this moment. You're walking to the disqualification and saying, I am enough. I am enough. Thank you, Father. There are people here today who can say, actually, if I just could do a thing, then I know that tomorrow will be a better day. If I just work harder, if I just give more, if I just actually talk, I just need to do more, and then, then I'll be fine for tomorrow. But, but until I do that, I'm going to worry, I'm going to have anxiety, I'm going to have fear. Thank you, God, you walk into that moment and you say, I am enough. Thank you, Jesus, that my future is not determined by my past. My future is not determined by my human efforts. My future is determined by Jesus. And I too am a children of promise. I am a child of promise. Including Jesus. I thank you that you do this in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.